we ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which was, there's no such thing as a fish. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fish. No, seriously, it's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph, no such thing as a fish. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with three of the regular elves. It's James Harkin, Andy Murray, and on fact-checking duties today, it's Anna Chazinski. And we got a special guest joining us today. Uh, he's my favorite comedy writer. We're very excited. Uh, Simon Rich from New York, here on a book tour. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. This is super fun. Yeah, thanks for coming. So you're here, uh, you're only here until tomorrow, unfortunately. Short but, trip, um, yeah. Yeah, but so Spoilt Brats, new book, a uh, collection of short stories, one of which is being adapted into a movie by Seth Rogen. Uh, your previous book, The Last Girlfriend on Earth, being turned into a sitcom currently, coming out next year. Uh, you used to work for Pixar, Saturday Night Live, and you're under 30. How the fuck <laughs> did you do this? <laughs> uh, well, the books are really short. The books I write, they're, they're, they're almost more like pamphlets. I mean, uh, and the, also uh, the, the font is really large. The margins are wide. Uh, sometimes it'll just, like in between chapters, it'll just be a few unnecessarily blank pages just to kind of pad it out. So that's, that's, the, that's the biggest trick. Um, cool. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's kick into our show. Uh, so we're going to go fact number one, and we're going to start with you, Simon. Cool. Uh, so, uh, so my fact is about uh, Coco, the uh, the gorilla who knows sign language. And uh, according to my research, uh, over the course of her lifetime, she has owned and cared for three pet cats. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, and how did she get these cats? It's <laughs> a good question. Well, I, I know that she actually, because she speaks sign language, um, knows a thousand words in sign languages, and apparently they asked her, what would you like for Christmas? And she said, I would like a pet cat. It's a good thing she doesn't know flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> All the words for freedom. Right, or freedom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a thousand words isn't that many, though, is it? Is it not? I well, know more than a thousand words. See, I, I thought I, I know more know than that in just numbers. <laughs> oh yeah. But, oh good but, point. Uh, but yeah. if you if you take the thousand words you use most often, yeah, they probably cover almost everything. Yeah. And then it's it's specific ones after that, like hammock or thrombosis or whatever. <laughs> so what you know, or whatever. Maybe they're in your top thousand. I don't know. Yeah. But it'd be lovely to see the thousand words you use most often. Yes. It would be really cool. I have that list in Russian, actually. What, that you use? In no, I got that. I was trying to learn Russian, and I still am, but not very well. And I thought one way to do it would be to get the thousand most popularly spoken words in Russian, mm. and then try and learn them all. Well, and that's I... how uh, uh, Dr. Seuss wrote uh, Cat in the Hat. Oh, really? Yeah, he, um, he, he got a book that was a list of, uh, I think, the first 100 words that children mm. learn how to read. And he, uh, almost as an exercise, decided, uh, mm. or as like a... a Shamelessly cynical uh, marketing point. I to say he just said, uh, "I'll write a I'll write a book using just those words." Uh, he had very big mm. fonts as well, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the biggest. <laughs> did he not do a thing where one of his books was a bet with his publisher that he could write a book with fewer than fifty words or something like that? I think it that might was be. Was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, a lot of his stories are. It's hard to tell if they're true. Like he spread a lot of mythology about himself oh, yeah. in his time. Uh, he said that he used to get all of his ideas from a small town where they made the cuckoo clock. Uh, he used to go there and they'd give him ideas. Well, but he was also a mummy hunter. 
which was is he? interesting. Yeah, he used to go with his wife and then wow. go mummy hunting. Was this wait, is, is this late nineteenth century, early twentieth? No. Early twentieth. Doctor Seuss. He would have been yeah. later, right? Oh, uh, later. Yeah, because I, I know he was. I know he was a cartoonist uh, during World War Two. So he must have must have been before or after that. It's amazing that even then you could still go mummy hunting. Well, they used to they used to dig up mummies and and crush them up and 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 sell them as medicine in jars. Um, Where? Uh, just, you know, around. Like Brooklyn? Yeah, like back yeah. alleys. <laughs> oh, no, there, there's a book that says that the kings of England, lots of them were cannibals. Right. Because they consumed human flesh in the form of mummies, ground-up right. mummies and things like yes. that. Yeah. yeah, they thought it had some sort of curative property. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to Coco, oh, yeah. the oh, yeah, gorilla. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Coco pets. asked for a pet cat. And also, was quite deceitful. Coco basically one day, this is a story I read about Coco the gorilla, um, they came back to where Coco is and... A, a sink had been ripped out of the wall. This is my favorite Coco story, too. Oh, well, tell it then. Tell us. Right, yes. So uh, a gigantic sink had been ripped out of the wall, and you know, a 2,000-pound sink, um, and the scientist uh, confronted her and said, you know, who ripped out this sink? Signed, who ripped out this sink? And after a long pause, Coco uh, signed uh, Janice, and Janice was one of the lab assistants who is uh, oh. a, a 21-year-old, 95-pound woman. And uh, Coco tried to pin it on her, and uh, the scientist signed to Coco, I don't, I don't believe that Janice ripped out sink. I think Gorilla ripped out sink. And Coco had to sort of hang her head and, and admit uh, what she'd done, and she signed uh, Coco ripped sink, bad Gorilla Coco. Because uh, I read that she blamed the cat as well. Oh, wow. She was <laughs> yeah. always pinning things on other... Yeah, yeah. On is that other... why she wanted the cat, to just disguise her crime? Yes, exactly. Yeah. You needed an, a, a, a stooge. A stooge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's actually, I read about another story about Coco. Apparently, so she um, has a name for a human, which is Nipple. And um, she, at least three former keepers have claimed that they were pressured into showing their breasts at the gorilla's request. That's right. This Coco was kind of a like an evil tyrant. <laughs> and it, it seems like she got whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted. And yeah. there, were, there were no checks and balances. and. She was constantly making the scientists disrobe. and Yeah, Coco knows what's going on. Absolutely. Maybe the cat she wanted was a, a white fluffy cat which she could stroke. <laughs> she dictated her to man. Yeah. She's quite old now. She's 30 or 40 years old. How in, long can gorillas live till? I think that's a reasonably advanced age. I think, I think maybe a, a longer than that, evidently. But right. I mean, captivity I think, in the wild differs. Yeah, so. they live longer in captivity, I think. The oldest known uh, primate that's non-human, I think, was Cheetah out of the Tarzan movies. Oh, yeah, because it lived in captivity in Hollywood somewhere, and mm. obviously we don't we don't know how old every single primate is, but this one in particular lived to about seventy or something. Really? Like that. Yeah, wow. it was an artist. Hollywood lifestyle there, yeah. isn't it? You yeah, know. Cheetah was an artist, right? Yeah. It's same with Bubbles, Michael Jackson's um, <laughs> monkey. But Bubbles had a, a rough end. He ended up in a in a sanctuary far away from the from the glitz and glamour. Yeah, oh, yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael never apparently never visited. Although it's I read this thing where they said that. Um, he, he always thought of Bubbles uh, as his first child and added that he hoped the Jackson children would keep in touch with their stepbrother uh, after he's gone. So he did love him, but he got too aggressive. He got too big, apparently. That's apparently right. when chimpanzees get too big. Um, That's well, pretty strong. Can, can you imagine Bubbles in that animal sanctuary with the other chimps trying to explain <laughs> what his, <laughs> his childhood was like? I mean, what a... What did, I, how, how would anyone believe it? He'd have been the, the Michael Jackson of the chimpanzee world. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
My grandmother used to own a chimpanzee in Did Cambodia. She? Really? Was it, was it yeah. your half brother? It was. It was <laughs> named after me, actually. Was it? Yeah, it was called. So they call me Chumps. That's my nickname I had as a kid from them, and they named. It sounds like you were named after the chimpanzee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they had a gibbon as well, and they kept it in this cage in this restaurant. They had a restaurant in Cambodia where. Um, it's not like a pick your own gibbon thing, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. You know. No, they were just they were their okay, pets. Okay, okay, yeah. sure. It was an amazing restaurant because they they used to have a massive menu, but everyone kept ordering the goulash, and <laughs> what they discovered okay. was that one of the chefs kept putting marijuana marijuana inside which is legal there um so they got rid of the whole menu and it was just a goulash marijuana place no. that's, that's <laughs> what my grandmother but they had to um had to give away the chimpanzee because um she got sexually frustrated with the gibbon in the cage and ripped its arm off very sad <gasps> oh, yeah wow. ripped Christ. its arm off like that's what that's marijuana will do for you <laughs> yeah wow well they're freakishly strong and mm. um uh they've uh they've evolved uh to uh, go for vulnerable parts of you know another mm. primate's body, so it, mm. it, they they will rip off the genitals of male rivals and throw them. Will they? Yeah, hundreds of feet. Throw them. Just... Yeah, oh yeah, and because then you're you're simultaneously killing your enemy and also you're expunging his genetic influence oh, on your tribe. Very much the John Wayne Bobbitts of exactly. the animal kingdom. Exactly, and very efficient uh, yeah. <laughs> form of violence. God, imagine you just walking through the forest as an explorer and this gorilla cock smacks you in the face <laughs> as you're walking. Oh, that's a rough day. That's yeah. a rough day. Aren't gorilla testicles only about an eighth or a sixteenth the size of human ones? Certainly, the, the penises are very small. But that's because they do all the establishing supremacy with their muscles, isn't it? With their body. Yeah. There's no need for sperm competition because right. they, you know, once you're a male gorilla and you get a harem, then you're you're away. Mm. You don't need to worry about competition from other males in that sense. Okay. And you don't need like a like a cool car. Yeah, <laughs> you can just kind of <laughs> show up. Yeah, I think it's something like a male silverback gorilla's erect penis is a quarter of an inch in length or something think, like think that. I think you might be right. Yeah. So like a normal-sized penis, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> like an average average male penis? Um, okay, should we wrap up with this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anna, uh, we should go to you. Do you have any anything you want to add? Um, yeah, a few things. So, a long time ago, uh, you guys were talking about the 1,000 most commonly used English words. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I've you got a list, list of them, them here, and I just... <laughs> I thought I'd read them all out. The, um, A, and. You're right. The, of, and, and. Yep. How much time have we got? I know the three, I know the three most common nouns are time, person, and year. Yes. Anyway, um, the first 25... Shut up, James. <laughs> Don't care, it's my role now. <laughs> this is my moment. The first 25 words in the thousand most frequently used words make up a third of all printed material. Just 25 oh. words. Wow. The reason Coco knew what a cat was before she had her pet cat, mm. her two favorite books were The Three Little Kittens and Puss in Boots. And so she looked at those pictures oh. and knew the word for cat. I don't know the cat. three little kittens. Neither do I. I you should talk to Coco. Pigs. Anyway, they first of all tried to give her a stuffed toy that looked like a cat to fob her off, and she was really pissed off ah. and made it clear that she needed the real thing. So they got, <laughs> they got her the real thing. And she named it All Ball. Did we discuss that? No, we didn't. So she, she <laughs> named her first kitten. Obviously, she only has a thousand words in her vocabulary, which it turns out isn't enough for a good cat name. So she called it <laughs> All Ball. Because apparently, according to her owners, she likes to rhyme in sign language. Time for fact number two, and that's my fact. Uh, my fact this week is, according to Yeti experts... Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, it is easier to escape a female Yeti than a male Yeti, because female Yetis have such long, dangling boobs that before they can chase you, they need to chuck them over their shoulders like a scarf. Otherwise, they may trip on them and bang their head. James, you're looking skeptical. That's a fact. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a fact about something that doesn't exist. It's a fact about something that no one has ever seen, yes. Uh, but it's a fact that comes from Captain John Knoll. Captain John Knoll was the guy who first broke into Tibet under a guise, because you weren't allowed as a Westerner into Tibet. And he was the first person to see Mount Everest and think we need to climb that. He came back to England and he pitched it at the Royal Geographical Society and that's what led to the Mallory expedition. And he was on the Mallory expedition. He was the official photographer. Do you think they said, I'm not really sure that sounds like a good idea. And then he said, oh no, there's giant monkeys with enormous breasts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He might have. I don't know if he believed in the Yeti. That might have been a, that, that was a bit of myth that he brought back with him. But it's a fact, it is a fact about something that people who believe in the Yeti believe. If you were talking to someone who believes in a Yeti right here in this room and you said, did you know this? I'd say, yeah, of course. It's a weird one, though, isn't it? Because it's a fact that that is believed amongst people who believe in it. Yeah. It's like a different world of facts. It's like a second subspecies of facts because it is a Yeti fact, but it's not a real world fact. I think it's a person fact. Person fact. Yeah, it's a fact about what people believe. So do you know about the uh, $10 million Bigfoot Bounty TV show? No. No. Okay, it was on a very small American channel. I can't remember which one it is, like a satellite channel or a cable channel. And um, there was a number of teams, and they every week tried to find evidence of Bigfoot. And whoever found the least evidence each week would get kicked off until there was only two teams left. <laughs> so how did they classify the least evidence? They had a team of experts who would, who would explain that. And um, the, the final two, whoever got the most evidence, if they could find evidence of Bigfoot, then they would win $10 million. Wow. Wow. Did the prize go unclaimed? It went unclaimed. Oh. At that point, even I know Bigfoot is something of a recluse, but if I were him, I would go in and make a deal and say, I'll take five million. <laughs> You take five million, I'll pose for one picture, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, the premise of this show is that if you find most or least evidence, you're either saved or kicked yeah. off. But if at the end of the show, the people who found most evidence had found no evidence, and therefore the 10 million went unclaimed. Then all the other teams are like... Found, they what? found even less than no evidence. Yeah. That's the premise. Uh, the 10 million was underwritten by Lloyds of London, probably as a... As a joke. Joke, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'd love to see the look on their face if they found Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah. Man, what a rough <laughs> shareholders meeting that is, you know, just uh, wearing the red this quarter. They found Bigfoot. <laughs> We're sorry. They did, uh, quite recently, there was a study done of um, creatures claiming to be Bigfoot or uh, the Sasquatch, and they took 57 samples of hair that people had sent into them saying, this is Bigfoot or this is Mm. a Sasquatch. Um, One of them was a piece of fiberglass, so that didn't get used, but they managed to get down to about 30 where they didn't know what it was immediately. And of that 30, they turned out to be cows, horses... Uh, raccoons or um, sometimes bears but they think that they might have got two samples from previously unrecognized bear species or hybrids so they might have discovered new species by doing that there's plenty more to find out there we we live under this weird assumption that we've discovered everything right and in the ocean we've barely cracked the surface Mm. right yeah 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 the ocean is I think we've done something like 6% tops. We've definitely mapped Mars better than the ocean. The, the, the thing that I liked most about this Yeti fact, other than it's Yetis and I love Yetis, uh, is that I, I just love its, its advice to escape. It's, it's escape advice, and I love escape advice because I think it's, it's the best kind of weird, handy advice that you probably will never need to use, but it will always stick with you. If you know this fact now about female Yetis, this will not leave you for the rest of your life. I found this thing of like the best way to, in Chinese mythology, to escape a vampire is to make sure you have bags of rice 
on oh, the yeah. ramp because they that. count. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're obsessive counters, apparently, vampires. Really? Yeah, so they... Yeah, so you, do, you, do you spill rice? You spill rice, oh, and, they and as count. they're chasing you, they, they, they have a dilemma where they're like, ah, yeah. and then they wow. count the rice. They have that fun. in Eastern European vampire culture as well. Like, you put sand on the on the doorstep, and they won't come into your house because they'll just stand there counting. So what we're saying is that all wow. vampires have obsessive-compulsive disorder. Yeah, like that one off Sesame Street who goes, Vaughn, ha, ha, ha. Is that where it came from, the count in Sesame Street? No, I think that was just a pun on the word count. Probably. Oh, yeah. Um, if you wanted to escape being an Aztec prisoner, uh, yeah. Andy, I know you like you know this fact, you like it. Um, if you were a slave, sorry, in Aztec times, the way to escape was to run away from your master in the middle of the market and step in some human excrement. And if you did that, you were no longer a slave. Really? Yeah. Mm. That That's was quite a loophole. It implies either that there was a lot of human excrement around or that it was very rare. No, Maybe there was, actually. There was quite a lot because their um, sewers went alongside the town walls kind of oh, thing. okay. But the other thing was, if someone tried to stop you from being a slave and someone noticed that, then... Sorry, if you stopped someone trying to escape, then yeah. you became a slave. So no one ever stopped them. Once they started running away, everyone went, oh, nothing to do with me. I think, I think that mm. gives people a fair chance. Yeah. I respect that. Really great story that I like about... Uh, sort of a moment of needing to escape uh the guy who set up mi6 mansfield coming oh yeah yeah he's great because you assume that he would be the ultimate spy yeah there's this great story where during world war one he went into germany disguised as a german soldier infiltrating a german camp but got busted immediately because it turned out he didn't know any german <laughs> <laughs> immediately at the gate he, they were like, at least the and he was like yeah if he'd learned 25 words, he would have been fine. He would fine. have been yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he used to do this thing. He had a wooden leg. But no one really knew at the time that he had a wooden leg. But in meetings, if he got bored with what anyone was saying, and no one knew he had this leg, he used to take a massive knife that he had on the desk and just stab himself in the leg. <laughs> and everyone would go, whoa! And then he'd just take over. That's anyway, what I wanted to say. That's what I do with my wooden genitals. <laughs> <laughs> After that. You rip them off and throw them a hundred yards. You should see people's faces. Um, we should probably wrap up on this one yeah. as well. Anna, have you got anything to add? Just a couple of small things. So on Yetis, you were saying that it's if you're being chased by a female Yeti, you're in luck because they've got these big breasts that get in their way. But apparently, according to Yeti experts, you're also likely to be able to escape a male if you run downhill because it's got long hair that blows in its eyes when running so it can't see well. Uh, I have that. So, <laughs> and oh, just the, uh, the ocean floor, the estimates are that we've only discovered 10% of what there is to be discovered in the ocean. Although, um, if you're talking about mapped seafloor that's in the public domain, we've only discovered 2 to 3%. But apparently, so much of the information about the ocean is completely classified and shrouded in secrecy, according uh. to National Geographic. The 7% of what we've discovered about the ocean, no one's allowed to know because it's so highly secret. What, it's genuinely classified? Yeah, it's all military classified information. Right, because I it, guess they have the gadgets that go under there, so that it's proprietary information, right? Cause yeah. They, they... Well, so they wouldn't want it, so they don't want to share that technology? Uh, right, probably, right? It must come down to that. Yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. really nobody's cool. claimed it. Nobody's yeah. claimed that, 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 that chunk of the earth. They have drones, lots of drones, uh, ocean drones now, which is so cool. They have whole generations of little robots, and their only job is to measure or assess one thing, and you just set them off, and they can go all over the world. They're always beaming information back. Yeah. Well, like Google spiders. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Wow. It sounds amazing. Sounds made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, on to fact number three, James. 
Okay, uh, my fact this week is uh, the Kama Sutra suggests 64 arts to practice alongside sex. They include solving word puzzles and teaching birds how to talk. Yeah, that's weird. I just assumed it was just all sex party. No, not that much sex in there at all, really. In that case, I am a lot sexier than I (laughs) realise. I'm getting pretty good at the Telegraph cryptic crossword. (laughs) That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> uh, there's, yeah, 64 of them. Uh, some of the others. Uh, tattooing, the art of making beds, playing on musical glasses filled with water, <laughs> uh, knowledge of mines and quarries, and the art of cockfighting. Or are these dating ideas before you get to the actual portion of the book about sex? No, it's... Why not visit a mine or quarry? <laughs> <laughs> Why not play musical glasses filled with water? Yeah. But so what was the book then? What is it? Okay, the book is, um, it was written in the third century by um, a celibate monk, and um, he was bringing together all of the um, different writings from beforehand that were about sex or about um, the art of mating in humans. So where does teaching a bird to speak? Uh, these are things that if you do those, it will improve your improve your general life and also your sex life. Oh, okay. sort of like a holistic approach. Like yeah, that. yeah, mm. yeah. There are nine pages on how to look after your wife uh, and 26 pages detailing how to seduce other men's wives. (laughs) Um, Well, it's harder, to be fair. It's harder. (laughs) (laughs) It needs more. Well, here's one way to seduce other men's wives uh, from that. It's called uh, Pocket No Pocket. First, take the heart of a mongoose, uh, then the fruits of a fenugreek plant and a gourd and some snake eyes. Mix them all together, cook them over the fire, and then put them in your eyes, and it'll make you invisible. And then you can go and find another man's wife. What? That's have we, in the wow. have we mistranslated invisible for blind? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. God, times were great back wow. then. If a recipe at the beginning of a thing says, take the heart of a mongoose. Yeah, and that's you just a lead with that. Yeah, yeah, just the very first ingredient. That's like the equivalent of like, preheat the oven at 350 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> just the most basic instruction. Yeah. There's um, a papyrus, an Egyptian papyrus, which has um, a load of things that when it says uh, snake's blood, what it's supposed to be, is some kind of fruit juice or something and when mm. it says crocodile excrement it's supposed to be some clay a special kind of clay from Ethiopia yeah. so they use these words even though they didn't really mean oh, that oh it's all coded yes James has a theory that um, because in There's a lot a, of contraceptive they say that the ancient Egyptians used crocodile dung as a contraceptive yeah but you and I think it was just actually a piece of clay from um, Abyssinia or from Ethiopia and they used to make it into a what do you call these a pessary and mm. stop people from being able to impregnate you that way. Mm-hmm. But you get it in all the lists of facts. It's like they use crocodile dung for contraception. It seems always, pretty unlikely, doesn't probably, it? Yeah, all euphemisms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always eye of newt, right? Isn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. poor newts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just, can you imagine them trying to piece that together? Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> what do they want from us? Why do they want us? God, so um, that'd be amazing, someone in that period taking it literally... And going and actually getting the heart yeah. of a mongoose. Maybe. What, what did you do to our fucking mongoose? <laughs> that means pencil. Get a pencil. <laughs> Everyone knows it's. Oh, that would be very embarrassing to serve that, you know, witch's potion up and yeah. Yeah. filled with all the literal ingredients. <laughs> yeah. It would explain a lot of fancy cookbooks today as well if Heston Blumenthal is actually using a series of elaborate metaphors and he just wants us to make spaghetti bolognese. That's true. <laughs> but he's saying, take liquid nitrogen. No, I mean, I mean ice. <laughs> Yeah, so what else is there in the Kama Sutra? So the Kama Sutra was um, discovered by Richard Burton, who did the first um, British-English uh, translation. Yeah, um, we should say not Richard Burton, the actor. Richard yes. Burton, the Victorian explorer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not that Richard Burton. Who is the most extraordinary character 
yeah. seemingly fictional when you read his life story because mm. of the amount of things that he did. He spoke like 30 languages. And there's probably too many that I've made up there. But Yeah, he, he did speak a lot of languages, but I'm not sure how well he spoke them all because he translated the Kama Sutra from Sanskrit. And whenever um, he was supposed to translate the word dildo, he put statue instead, <laughs> which kind of changes the meaning of some of the things in there. Yeah. He also, when instead of writing about penises and vaginas because he was writing for a Victorian audience, um, he would call um, the penis lingam, which was Sanskrit for wand of light, and he would call the vagina yoni, which was Sanskrit for sacred temple. Wow. So it's place your wand of light into the sacred temple. So it must read like a Harry Potter book when you read <laughs> his version of the Kama Sutra. Do we, do we have more sort of ancient love guides? Outside of the Kama Sutra, I've never really heard there's of one. There's an Egyptian one. I don't is know there? What's, yeah, I can't remember. What's oh, called. there's one called the Turin Erotic Papyrus. <laughs> What's that? Genuinely, there's the Turin Shroud, and then from about 2,000 years before that is the Turin Erotic Papyrus. Um, and it's a series of uh, blue drawings, basically. Yeah. Wow. I don't think it's meant quite as a love guide. I think it's more to, to titillate and things like that. Okay. Yeah. There was that great, I can't remember his name, um, Anna, you might be able to find it, but in the Natural History Museum, they have effectively what is an erotica book. It was during a Shackleton trip uh, where the guy who was studying penguins um, witnessed the insane love life of penguins, yeah. and he found it so dirty that all of the bits where he had to describe the actual like sexual acts, he put into, what was it? Greek. Into ancient yeah. Greek. <laughs> so that you had to be a real scholar to and actually And then I think it was it in was a so code. I think it was a code on top of ancient Greek. Yeah. So they crack the code, wow. and then even after you've cracked the code, it's still in ancient it's Greek. It's still in ancient Greek, yeah. right. If I saw something coded in, in, in ancient Greek, I would, man, I would assume the worst and, and, and yeah. translate that. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. jump right into that. Yeah, yeah, God, exactly. Pornography yeah. was a lot harder to access in the old days, wasn't it? <laughs> you had to crack the code, and then translate from Greek, and then it's about penguins. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Kama Sutra again, um, yep. they have a section on oral sex. Well, it starts off saying oral sex is very, very terrible and you shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. And then they have quite a few pages on how to do it. Like how <laughs> this is what you definitely shouldn't do. Whatever you do, don't do this. And then don't do it this way and don't do it this oh, way. Wow. It's a bit like during um, Prohibition when they, um, they yeah. used to like sell uh, winemaking kits and it would be grapes and whatever and it says whatever you do don't put this alcohol in these grapes and don't right. mash them down or whatever for a long time a uh, theater in new york city uh, it was against the law unless it had some kind of higher moral purpose oh yeah and so uh, pretty much every show uh during the sort of pt barnum days was uh, uh a show like a, a, a a sexy melodrama and then at the end a stern matronly woman would come out for 30 seconds after two hours of this and say like don't do what you've just seen <laughs> and uh, that would kind of be it That's and, and, That's and they, so were, they were referred to as moral lectures wow and people would start to file out you know as the woman came on yeah I'd, I'd rather have that at the beginning I think would you? Yeah. Does that not spoil the rest of the movie? No, because then? then you forget about it once oh, the yeah. sexy melodrama starts. Well, during the, <laughs> <laughs> well, during the, the uh, before um, there's there's a there's a few decades where uh, uh, film was really closely regulated by the United States government, and one of the things was you could never portray uh, a criminal in a positive light. Uh, oh yeah. And and you can never show them uh, getting away with their crime. They always had to be punished, right. yeah. uh, and so there's a lot of films where, basically, uh, they get the girl, they get the money, 
they get the the fame and the glory, and then they're just inexplicably gunned down <laughs> by a stern matronly lady, yeah, by the same woman. And then she, you know, uh, points at the camera and nods. So you, you get the message, and she draws a finger across yeah, her throat exactly. and gestures down there. Yeah, but it's all these hilarious, like tacked-on endings. Right. So, yeah. You were just mentioning P.T. Barnum before. My favorite P.T. Barnum thing is that when people used to go to his circuses. You would pay your money, pay $2, go in, and then there would be a big sign saying, this way to the egress. And everyone would go down there not really that, realizing that egress means exit. And they'd go straight out and they'd have to pay oh, to go no. back in again. And they, and they probably wouldn't ask for their money back because they were too humiliated yeah, to admit exactly. that yeah. they didn't it know was the like, word I egress. I thought it was a female eagle or something like that. Oh, that's like great. That. Well, he, <laughs> egress, yeah. Yeah, of course. he was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, he was, yeah. yeah. Um, he invented the skylight. I believe. I think he's really? the first person Dang. to, yeah, the, the American Museum in Manhattan. That, that should probably be fact-checked. But, but yeah, yeah, the first person to burn electric lights uh, at night for no pragmatic reason wow. other than self-promotion. So, if, so the, the original New York City skyline was just the word Barnum. That's and fantastic. like a shapeless oh. void. But the museum burned down, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it burned down big time. <laughs> so, I wonder if, yeah. And then later on, he, he, he had spent a long time building an opulent palace yes. for his house, and that burnt down, yes. I think, the day after completion. Yeah, he built a kind of uh, sort of like a Xanadu-type place, like yeah. a, a gigantic uh, mansion, and it burned down almost immediately. Yeah. Um, he, and then, was, weirdly, he uh, this is all in Connecticut, where he sort of retired after, uh, after his long career, and uh, I, think, I think Bridgeport, Connecticut... He, I think, became mayor of the town, mm-hmm. or he, so. So he had his whole like small town political career towards the end of his oh, life. Wow. It used to be a problem where things burned down, didn't it? Like there was a lot of um, <laughs> yeah, because still in, is in many yeah. ways. You know, <laughs> we just haven't solved that problem of a building burning down yet. But in theaters, it used to be because they used to light things yeah. up with with mm. like um, fire all the time. Mm. And there was a few that burnt down in Covent Garden yeah. quite a while ago, and then they had to put the prices up. And people protested against the prices going up because they had to pay for this damage. And they they protest. They riot? They rioted for days and days and days. And they were known as the op riots because people wanted the old prices. And so OP is old price. And people would just stand there while they were trying to do the play and just go op, 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 op for like... Mm. Hours on end. Tough crowd. I know. That's a rough um, night. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always think the worst would be uh, uh, the actors uh, on stage during the Lincoln assassination. Just oh, like, yeah. man, how do, how do you get the audience back after that? <laughs> 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 um, okay, Anna, have you got uh, anything to add? Yep, a couple of things to clarify. So the guy you were talking about who wrote The Sexual Habits of Adeli Penguins was oh, yeah. Dr. George Levick, who was the surgeon and medical officer for the British Antarctic Expedition, led by Scott, 1910. Yeah, it was suppressed for almost 100 years, 97 years, and was only made public in 2012 because it was considered too crude for society to handle. I think, did we mention that on QI, <laughs> that um, the penguin thing? I think it might have been on the show, in which case he kept it secret for more than 100 years until th- 2012, and then the next year we put it on national television. Yeah. Sorry, Victorians, and yeah. your stupid sensibilities. In a way, he should have, if he'd only published it then, we'd all have forgotten about it by now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, things in the Kama Sutra. So something that Burton, you're right, he did mistranslate a lot of the Kama Sutra. He downplays women's position. So in the Kama Sutra, women, it's... There's a lot of equality in there, a lot of gender equality, which obviously he didn't approve of being a Victorian man. And so, for instance, there's a bit in the text that advises that the wife of an unfaithful man should scold him with sharp language. And Burton just inserts the word never 
into that <laughs> white woman, big man should never scold her husband. The queen fix. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a minor change. Yeah, it's an yeah. uh, editing decision. Um, okay, time for the final fact of the show. Uh, Andy. Hello. My fact this week is that there are more than 15 trillion tons of water above the earth now, at any given moment. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot. Yeah. Is it a lot? 15 trillion tons? I guess it is. I think so. It's hard to imagine such a big number. It's, I know what you mean. It's a small proportion, a very small proportion of the total amount of water on the planet, obviously. Mm. But nonetheless, it is a vast amount it's too big to compute, really. But this is the really, the, the, the really cool thing about clouds. So the average cloud weighs about 400 tons, it turns out, the average cumulus cloud. Um, so individually, all the droplets, because why don't they just fall? Well they, well, they are. They're always falling. But the air inside the cloud is moving upwards faster than they're falling. So it's like a slinky on an escalator. Okay. If you can imagine that, yeah, okay. it's yeah. Um, so, uh, it, but and the water droplets are so tiny; they're 0.01 millimeters in diameter. A billion of them would be the same size as a sugar cube. Wow! Yeah. And they're very far spaced out. When you say a slinky on an escalator, do you mean yeah. an escalator going up? Yeah, I do. I've I never should. had that image yeah. in my head ever. It's always stairs with a slinky just going down. But presumably, mm. the slinky can stay. Yeah, that's what. The, yeah. Wow! Yeah. That's a strong image. I've never had that in my <laughs> life. A perpetual cool. motion machine. Yeah, we exactly. cracked yeah. it. Hey guys, we cracked it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> if only we could think of a way of the escalator going up without any input of energy. Uh, I forgot we'll be... about that. Oh, uh, cynical, cynical. Uh, boy, so boy. Yeah, you know. I still say we patented it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the size of the tiny aerosol droplets in a cloud is yeah. uh, one micron in width, which is the same width as a human sperm. Wow. Okay. And a normal, normal uh, male penis is just a slightly bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but the, the, the sperm is the smallest cell in the body, isn't it? Or just about the smallest cell. Uh, it's very close yeah, to it. Whereas everyone the, says it is, but I don't think it is really. But it's, it's down there. It's, it's yeah, low it's on pretty the small, but it's, like blood it, platelets are pretty small. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's not the sm- It's generally the, said to be the smallest. But the female leg is definitely the definitely largest. Definitely the biggest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the biggest egg in all nature will be like a bird's egg, probably like a ostrich egg. Ostrich right? egg. Yeah. yeah. Those things are big. Yeah. Well, it used to be the, no, the elephant the, bird egg. Remember the one that David Attenborough found oh. the um, the egg of it. It looks like a giant ostrich, uh, and it's it's the it's the largest an egg can be. All right. Before it gets too thick that the thing inside can't crack out yeah. of it, or that it just huh. couldn't form to begin with. But I can't the ovum, what it's called the, the ovum. The ovum. Sorry, I meant the ovum, not the yeah, yeah. the egg, like a chicken's egg, because no. that's vast. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about that egg, the the giant bird egg. Do, the, do we still have the elephant bird? No, no, it's extinct, but we do have the egg. It's kind of like when you go to Mongolia and you, f- you find dinosaur eggs. They just found a new dinosaur. Did you guys see <laughs> that? They? Yeah, no. a gigantic Vaguely. one. Yeah, uh, the biggest yeah. thing they've ever found. They, they say it's uh, 12 times as big as a T-Rex. What? Yeah. yeah wow. I read that in The Guardian times. this morning. Yeah, 12 times. It is scary when you see the photos of these giant like, th- like uh, thigh bones, which are twice the size of a person. But did you know that most of these dinosaurs had feathers? This they, is the new theory, They right? looked like, uh, yeah. people are, yeah, people say they basically looked like giant chickens. It makes them a little less intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park needs a whole... Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Someone, will do it, someone will do it at some point. For the 20th anniversary, they'll come up with all feathers on every dinosaur. Velociraptors, mm-hmm. I think. And Velociraptors were tiny, weren't they? They were the size of, I think, large chickens mm-hmm. or small dogs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in between those two. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, cloud so, juice. Have you, do you know what that is? Cloud juice. Cloud juice. Yeah, I, yeah. Rain. 
Well, yeah, it is pretty much. You and your fancy um, words. This is a Bolton thing. No, it's not very much. Not it's a uh, it's bottled water uh, that you can get um, in Claridge's, and they sell it in a menu like wine. And it's collected on a plastic roof on a tiny windswept island off the Australian coast. And it's the most expensive bottled water ever to arrive in the UK. Wow. What? How's it sold as being better? Uh, because normal bottled water. the trade winds come um, off the ocean and it's yeah. supposed to be much purer because there isn't any pollution on the rain. It's weird, isn't it? Because it, it's just H2O. Yeah. There are ways of purifying water. You just need to boil it and condense it and then you've got no impurities at all. Yeah. Yet, we have this idealised water in our heads. Yeah. That you could buy I want it. some so badly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you guys want to taste that? I bet right. it's great. Yeah. Let's all go to Claridge. Let's get sushi on the way. Get them to sponsor this thing. Yeah. We'll be swimming in, in cloud juice. Cloud juice. <laughs> it, sounds ho- it doesn't sound nice, though. It's not a nice name. Yeah, why do they call it cloud, cloud juice? Cloud water. Lovely. Cloud juice. Cloud juice. Yeah. It's a bit claggy, Sky isn't Sky muck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there's also you could get beer where it, the water comes from glaciers, and that's supposed to be like better and purer. Mm. Oh, like I'm ice sure ice vine as well, yeah. which is wine where the grapes are frozen, and so all the sugar is pushed into the remaining bit of the grape, which isn't frozen, and then you crush that grape, right. so it makes a much sweeter wine. Yeah, um, so- okay, so have you heard of Cloud Nine? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this is really cool. Cloud Nine is not the highest most elegant floaty cloud there is. Cloud9 is actually at the very bottom of the height scale in the International Cloud Atlas. Huh. It's like high fog, essentially. Oh, oh really? it's, it's cool. It's cumulonimbus. So cumulus are the fluffy ones, nimbus are rainy, and that's, that's Cloud9, yeah, yeah. If you want really high, elegant clouds, uh, you want Cloud0, which is cirrus. And that's the stuff which is just ice crystals in the sky. It's just millions of ice crystals floating wow. together. Yeah. Did they, like, change the numbers or something? Is that why we say Cloud9 is... No, so they were all... Um, so the the famous system was invented by a scientist called Luke Howard, which yeah. is all the Latin names: cumulus, nimbus, stratus. Um, cirrus is lovely; it means a curl of hair. That's oh. really because it does. It looks it looks beautiful like mm. that. But um, he came up uh, with the system, and uh, the poet Goethe was so impressed with this incredible classification job that he he dedicated four whole poems to him, and he praised him for bestowing form on the formless and a system of ordered change on a boundless world. You know, back in the day when there weren't names for different types of clouds. Um, but this is really cool. The year before Luke Howard came up with his, that was 1802, there was another French scientist called Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, and he came up with the system. Um, and he came up with his when he was ill in bed, looking at the clouds floating past his window. And they had uh, envoile, which means hazy, attrupé, mast, pommelé, which means dappled, and groupé, which means grouped. <laughs> <laughs> was that the same Lamarck who came up with evolution at the same yes. time as Darwin? Sounds same like guy. Yeah. yeah, so he was, uh, he was off on a couple of things. Yeah, but unfortunately no one paid any attention to his system. And yeah, the next yeah. year, along comes Fancy Boy with his Latin, and away you go. But they believed him about, you know... Uh, Giraffes stretching their necks out until they were long. Yeah, right? people bought that for a while, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. There's still some oh, people. Yeah, Lamarck, yeah. Like, there's still some people who think that Lamarckism will come back one day. What? There was some studies, like in the last few years, that um, mice can uh, pass their memories on to their grandchildren. Mm. Uh, and if that was true, if that, that turns would, out that to be true, that would be Lamarckism. Yeah. Wow, is that Lamarckism? Yeah. Really? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, that it's is such a mad idea. It's saying you can pass on uh, learned traits. Yeah. Like it, it was fear, oh, wasn't okay. it? They associated a particular smell with fear, and two generations on, the mice which had had no contact with their grandparents exhibited the same fear. Okay, wow. which is, if true, unbelievable. So it's not, but it's not like 
us getting, you know, you and me suddenly talking about the war. No, 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 but the fear had altered their genes. Uh, just like <laughs> no. that, those memories came down. <laughs> no, but the just... fear had altered their genes. So they were, right. they oh, would, okay. they were afraid of the smell of, I think it was lavender. My yeah. favorite uh, experiment, lab experiment, is they, uh, they, they hooked uh, a mouse's, uh, elec- uh, they, they hooked his pleasure sensors in his brain uh, with an electrode to a, a button, uh, which he could press in order to send a jolt of endorphins oh. uh, you know into his system and he, he he kept you know predictably he kept pr- pressing the button and he pressed it uh, so incessantly that he forgot to eat and he forgot to drink oh, and Jesus. uh his limbs uh, eventually atrophied uh to the point where he had to just press it with his face oh my and god then he died ultimately of starvation and no one stepped in no, no one they just let him go with oh it oh my god that just sounds like a, like one of the saw movies or something yeah. yeah and then i read another one about uh they took a bunch of mice and they uh uh played them classical music and they took a bunch of other mice and they played them rock and roll and uh they they mixed them together and the the rock mice uh, ate the classical mice <laughs> 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 and, uh, <laughs> Um, okay, should we should we wrap up on this? Yes, uh, Anna, have you first. got have you got anything you want to add? So the largest dinosaur ever found has been discovered. It weighed as much they estimate as fourteen African elephants. It's seven tons heavier than the previous record holder. Blimey. It was found in Argentina, so that's pretty impressive. And it's about twenty meters tall, wow. uh, which reminded me wow. of. A thing I read, and I think it was a New Scientist blog, if anyone saw the first episode of this series of Doctor Who, where the T-Rex was the same height as Big Ben. Oh, yeah. The largest mm. known specimen of a T-Rex that we have was is four meters, and Big Ben is 96. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to get in contact with any of us about the things we've been talking about on this podcast, you can reach most of us on Twitter. Um, I can be got on at Schreiberland. Uh, Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. James. At Eggshaped. Simon, you're not on Twitter, are you? No, no dice. I'm oh. sorry. Oh, my God. How? Why? Uh, you know, I Too just... Cool. Yeah, it just—it's just my level of coolness. It's right. just too high. No, it's, it's, I just know it would consume my entire life yeah, I, yeah. if I was on social media. So I just steer clear of all of it. Fair enough. Okay, but if uh, you can't get him online, but you can get him in bookshops, that's a good link. <laughs> um, yeah. So Spoilt Brats is out now, but also all of his books: uh, Last Girlfriend on Earth, Elliot Allagash, What in God's Name. Yep. Um, and then there's two in America. If you're listening in America, there is. Uh, Free Range Chickens and Ant Farm. Ah, good memory. Well. That's amazing. Uh, they're all there's amazing. No, there's no notes in front of them. He's just doing this. Yes, I remember that. I really appreciate uh, that. I've Thank read. I've for... read all the books. I, I'm, this is not a lie. I'm a massive fan. I think he's the best comedy writer out there at the moment. Um, so get Simon's books. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. Anna, uh, you're not on Twitter still. Yeah, I like the fact we discuss this a lot, and no one's ever suggested that I'm too cool to be on Twitter over the <laughs> 20 episodes we've had. Not cool where you enough, ask, mate. Not. not cool enough. Yeah, double standards. <laughs> okay, that's it for this week. Uh, we're going to be back again next week with another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. Go to our website, and you can find all previous episodes, and we'll be back again, yeah, in seven days. See you then. Bye. <laughs>